Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team at Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S. and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com, click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an emergency edition of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger on Twitter, and we have brought the entire, entire crew. All that we have to offer uh, is here. And uh, to talk about breaking news regarding your Seattle Seahawks. Much discussed. Offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer has been let go. Uh, mutual parting of the ways between the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, and Brian Schottenheimer. Uh, irreconcilable differences for those of you who grew up in that generation know that uh, know that movie. <clears throat> um, and we will talk about why. We'll talk about our feelings about those things. We we like to share our feelings on this show. If you haven't noticed. <laughs> and we will talk about what next and who next um, and what the implications are. So uh, Dana O'Gorman at Dana OG, Dana, you have graciously offered to host this show because God knows I'm going to be all over the place and we need someone, a voice of reason um, to control the fellas because I certainly can't. Um, so thank you for well volunteering to take that on. I am happy to do it. As I was watching our chat on Twitter go by, I'm like, nope. Somebody's got to pull this in here, boys. Plus, I think it's important that, Brian, you get a chance to really voice your opinions, too, because, I mean, this is a big deal. So I, I want to start with, first of all, I feel a little guilty, if I can say that. So as Nathan told you on last time, he asked my permission if he could say that I was jumping up and down for joy, that you're screaming that we needed to fire shoddy. Now I have a little guilt. Like, I hope I didn't put that out there in the universe, but I'm just you spoke saying. spoke it into existence. I did. I have the power. I'm just saying. Wow. No. But no, I want to know instant reactions popped up on your phone, on Twitter, whatever it was. 
you know, Jeff, let's start with you. What was your instant reaction? Honestly, I was stunned. And maybe I shouldn't have been. And maybe the the comments from Pete, there was a lot of digs at Shoddy the other day, but I was just like sitting on the couch and I turned on my phone and I saw a tweet from the Seahawks saying Shoddy's a really nice guy. And I'm like, what the f- hell is that? <laughs> and you know when you like click to see if it's verified? And clearly I just missed like the rain of tweets where everyone said he was fired. And I kind of jumped off the couch and I was like, my head was, I honestly felt like I was in a playoff game. And it was like all the stuff we've been talking about with the Seahawks. I did not see this coming. And I was kind of fired up. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. I think a lot of people were. My, I have alerts from Adam Schefter that pop up on my phone. And that was the first one I saw. And I instantly opened Twitter to see what you boys would think. Nathan, what was your instant reaction at first? Uh, my reaction was a lot like Jeff's, although apparently – not like a lot of people. Uh, it was to check and make sure the tweet was real. Uh, Why would you possibly need to check? If because you don't have any. Real, Nathan. <laughs> it's not like you have any experience with legitimacy. I mean, I've never care. been duped myself. No. Uh, <laughs> um, no, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was floored. I also found the wording of the tweet really weird. Like, he's a great mm-hmm. dude. Like... <laughs> cool okay what oh wow um i and honestly i still don't think i've like fully like uh like i don't know had a normal like thought about it yet it's pretty shocking just i think the the maybe the thing i keep coming back to the most is that pete just said he would be back and now he is not going to be back so yeah it's crazy he doesn't lie well, here's Never the thing, though. I'm, I'm just going to jump in. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not sure Pete was lying yesterday. See, uh, I, I don't I'm know if we want to get into this, but I'm kind of with you, Evan. I, I am not sure. I, I fully believe Pete Carroll woke up this morning on, in his Mercer Island home, in his bed, and believed Brian Schonheimer was going to be back next season. I think – you know, in their season end reviews that they do with all staff members and all players. I, I think um, some new, new points of conversation may have come up and, and I know we'll get into this later, but, but I think it's very possible that shoddy made the decision that this environment wasn't, or, or this situation, this, this, you know, this position wasn't in the best interest of both parties moving forward. So you know, it's interesting because we had sort of conflicting reports, right? Like Schefter said he was fired and then the Seahawks said they mutually parted ways. So sure, that could just be nice words for a firing, but there's some conspiracy to this. It's uh, it's pretty I wild. I, I, I don't I'm just know, Evan, say, here's, oh, go ahead, Evan, go ahead. Sorry. Last thing I'll say is like, it's just 24 hours ago, all of us were in agreement that there was like no chance this would happen. That's <laughs> not it true. Happened. Uh, did you Were read you? my article? I never read your article. Of course you didn't read my <laughs> Christ, dude. This was the very first thing I said that there was a chance that could happen. This was the number one thing I thought that there was an opportunity to change a constant to a variable. That was the number one thing I said in my article. No edits that after the fact? No edits, bitch. Was that before or after the Pete had said he expected? Because that, that was in the press conferences after you made that post, right? Uh, so I may, I wrote that before the press conference, uh, before he, he said that about shoddy. 
Yeah, and see, I was kind of with you that after the game and everything, I didn't think it was a done deal that Shadi would be back. But then when Pete was all like, that's offensive to even ask about whether Shadi would be back, uh, and then apparently has fired him like 24 hours later, that is very surprising to me. Well, I mean, do you expect him to break the news in a press conference? I mean, seriously, that that's just not going to happen. And I think there was some hemming and hawing. And this is why I, I differ from from Evan and Nathan, there was a constant theme in Pete Carroll's pressers most of the year was the offense wasn't adjusting. The offense wasn't adjusting. And I said that to you guys. I said, if he gets fired, it's going to be for that, not for anything else. And so I, I just think that there was a little, there was something that was going on underneath there well before that last game and the comments of them arguing over the fourth and one call or whatever it may be. I just felt like there was something else there. Brian, obviously this doesn't surprise you. You, you, you know, you didn't seem as shocked as the rest of us did. Um, but I don't know, this might be an unfair question, but do you think it was the right call? Well, let me even like, like turn that question around a little bit because I think, I think we have to articulate what could have happened today there is did shoddy get fired that is one interpretation and there's lots of reasons that could have happened it could have been that pete came in and said hey this is what i expect us to do and shoddy said no and pete said you're fired could have been other reasons um there is a possibility that pete wanted shoddy back and shoddy came into the conversation and said hey no matter what Pete wanted, he was like, this isn't where I want to be. And there could be multiple reasons for that. It could have been because of Pete. Could have been because of Russ. Um, and could have been maybe there's other opportunities he's interested in. So when you ask, is it the right, was it the right decision? To me, the question is who made it? And I see this as a mutual decision. And I think it's I think it's the absolute right decision for every single side of this discussion. I don't think this was the right place for Shadi going forward. And I definitely don't think that the Seahawks had the best chance of reaching their potential with Shadi as OC, period. And, and that's no shade on Shadi. Like maybe it's a little bit, but like, I think he had three years with this quarterback. He had a fantastic set of skill players this year the best offensive line the Seahawks have had since Pete Carroll's been here pretty much uh, best, you know, running back room, like everything was good. And he had like nine or 10 games to figure out some way with that package of players to succeed offensively. And he didn't. So whatever his bag of tricks was and whatever his skills were at offensive coordinator, if you can't figure that out in 10 games, I think that you're probably best off moving on somewhere else like that has a, maybe a better fit. And my biggest concern, Dana, was he was going to come back, spend the offseason figuring out a counter move to what the defenses did to them this season. And maybe it would have worked for the next five games. And then there would have been another counter move. And he has not proven that he can be a chess player that way. So to me, this is all upside. And we'll talk about the potentials of, of why, you know, I think there's people that aren't as excited because they would have been way more excited if Pete was the one that was on the chalking block, but that was never going to happen. That is absolutely a constant. It's not going to change. By the way, John Schneider got extended today. That's also news that we should probably talk about at some point. 
Yeah. That we would, we know some people who were not thrilled at that news either, but that's okay. So here's the thing when I'm, when I look at this, I think Brian brought up a, a fantastic point. He had a 10 game span, really, you know, at least eight, even if you want to boil it down to eight where adjustments needed to be made and they were never, ever made. Jeff, do you think that that was, he was so stuck on what was working at the beginning of the season that he just kept saying, if we do it, if we do it, we do it, and we'll get it back. Um, or do you think that he just, like Brian said, just wasn't a chess player, just couldn't figure out another option? I think it's hard to pinpoint one thing. I, I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's a comment. Agreed. I think it's clear that the team did not schematically have an answer to how teams defended them. I also think part of that is the quarterback and that's probably more for tomorrow's show, but I do think that there is a book that a lot of people around the league think this offense is very vanilla and it's hard for me to pinpoint whether that's a Schottenheimer thing or if that's a Pete thing, because when Bevel was the coordinator as well, Greg Cosell would go on his show every week and say the exact same thing. So I don't know if they're doing that because of Russell, or I don't know if Pete is hiring people with very bland schemes. So for me, it's a, that's a really tough question to answer, but I, I really agree with what Brian was saying. It's hard to see that this would work, especially hearing Pete's philosophical comments of how he wants to build. It's hard for Shoddy to come back and Shoddy's goal probably in his career right now is how do I become head coach? That's where he's at. To run the offense Pete wants to run, it does not fit his goals. Around the league, people are not looking for that kind of offense. And so I, I find it that where I'm at, we're kind of where Evan and Nathan were saying, I think this was truly mutual. It definitely could be. I, I mean, it, it would make sense. And the way the Seahawks worded it, I, I would agree with that. And like we said, we don't know if they were just being nice or what have you. Um, I, I don't think that um, we can look at this, you know, as I've had it with you, get the hell out. I don't think that that was it. I think that it was a little bit more philosophical, which is, is a good thing. So um, Evan, Tyler Lockett, I think it was the, I don't know if it was the last game of the season. It was, it was somewhere toward the end of the season. He was interviewed and, and a lot of people took his comments as kind of a shot to Schottenheimer. Do you remember that? Where I actually he, don't. So tell me. Okay. So he was interviewed. Um, it was Michael Sean Duggar, I think is who he was talking to. And basically he, he just basically said the defense has figured us out. And we couldn't figure out a new way to do it. And, and of course he did it in the Tyler Lockett way where it was like super nice and he's such a good kid. Right. And he's not being, you know, jerked anybody, but it was pretty blatant. It was pretty obvious that he was kind of calling out this, at least the offensive scheme. Again, we don't know if that was a hit. No one really thought it was a hit towards Russ. It seemed to be more towards Schottenheimer, but don't you think if the players are starting to say things, then you start to kind of lose them. And it would have been really hard for Schottenheimer to come back. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think you're wrong at all. Um, mm-hmm. I will say like uh, those Tyler Lockett comments are absolutely indicative of how other players feel on the team. Like that is absolutely leaking out behind the scenes from other mm-hmm. players. Also um, this is really not a new sort of um, struggle with Brian Schoenheimer. The, it, this was not just this year where they struggled to, you know, adjust in game at, at, at halftime, you know, whether different coverages are showing or whatever it is. It's just, it just felt like they were never able to quickly turn on a dime. It felt like if they had a game plan going into a game and they were going to attack a specific, you know, side of the field or a specific player or, you know, whatever it may be, they just, 
they just were stuck. It's like they couldn't, they couldn't, they could, they were too stubborn. So this, mm-hmm. I, I, it's really hard to pinpoint the blame, just like Jeff said. But the reality is, is it has been a consistent theme for three straight years. So I just went maybe, looking, uh-huh. sorry, sorry. I went looking for that Tyler yeah. quote because I was going to share some of it, but I found a different one um, that uh, Mike Duger had tweeted out uh, just yesterday. Um, that's really interesting. I think in, in hindsight now, Pete um, was asked, I don't remember what the question is, uh, but the Pete said, um, it's a football thing. It's a scheme thing. I want to see if we can run the ball more effectively to focus the play of the opponents and see if we can force them to do things like we'd like them to, uh, to do more, like we've been able to do in the past. That doesn't mean we're going to run the ball 50 times a game. We need to run the ball with direction and focus and the style that allows us to dictate the game. Frankly, I'd like to not play against two deep looks all season long next year, so we have to be able to get that done. It's not just the running game. It's the style of passes that will help us some, but we have to get after it differently. As it unfolded at the end of the season, it became really obvious. In the last four to five games, it became really obvious. Remember, and then he goes on, blah, 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 blah. Um, everybody really, including me, focused in on the running aspects of that, but with a little bit of hindsight and, you know, that bias, um, you know, saying, hey, it was really obvious that there was different stuff we should have been doing um, seems pretty damning. Telling, very telling, for sure. Brian, did you, were you excited when Shoddy came on board? I know a bunch of people were real happy to get rid of Bevel, but were you excited when Shoddy, because I don't remember people being excited about Shoddy coming on board. I I mean, I think, I don't know that almost anybody was excited that Shoddy was coming on board. His, his resume was not impressive. And the, the, the teams he had run were, I mean, it was the Jets with Mark Sanchez was like his, probably his, you know, (laughs) most impressive thing and it was like taking a bad quarterback and running like crazy around him and so I think a lot of people thought he was going to come in and just be a total run oriented uh, coordinator my issue run or pass I, I don't have nearly as much religion about that as I think some folks do but I never when he was the Rams OC like I just never saw anything that was an identity from him I never, like, I couldn't tell you what the Brian Schottenheimer offense was. And I couldn't tell you, like, what, what, like, even tree it came from in terms of a scheme. And so I I think that that showed up in spades. I mean, how many times this year did we talk about they don't have an identity on offense? They don't have a set of go-to fundamental plays that they come back to when things aren't going well. And I think that's who Shadi is. The, the book on him before he came here was he was t- almost too sophisticated and, you know, and too complicated in his plays. And he's kind of a, I think he's, he's kind of a, a scheme geek. Like, I think, I think he's super smart and I think he's a good leader, <clears throat> but there's a lot of comments from previous players of his that like his offense was too intricate and not easily run and not necessarily run well in a sustained way. So I admit that he won me over. I was impressed with what he was able to do in many ways. People don't realize this, but he is the OC for two of the three highest scoring years in Seahawks franchise history. And that's not just about offensive inflation in the NFL. Like the Seahawks were flagging a little bit offensively. And I also have reason to believe without getting into specifics that he was the source of 
bringing in analytics um, into the group in terms of getting more early down passing. And so all that I think is a big feather in his cap. I just don't think he was the guy to like, ultimately it is the smartest, most effective coordinators that are able to get their teams to the, to the, to the top level. I'm not sure he'll ever be that. I just don't see that with Schottenheimer. It's just not his space. Maybe that that's a really good point, you know, and, and there has to be a fit. And like, and like Brian said, Pete's a constant people. We're not getting rid of Pete, right? He's there. That's he's going to be there until he decides he doesn't want to be there anymore. And, and people just are going to have to take a breath and get over it because that's just the way it's going to be. So let's move on. Let's look forward a little bit. Um, Brian put out a tweet that says, give me your top choices to be the next Seahawks offensive coordinator. And there were 300 replies. Like people got opinions, right? Like they know what they want, but the one that we see over and over again, and I want your reaction to, I want to know if you think he would fit. And if you even think it's a possibility and that's Doug Peterson, Evan, Doug Peterson. So I'm actually going to throw this one to Jeff. He's going to have a much better answer than me. Go ahead, Jeff. So I had a better one for Jeff. That's okay. <laughs> okay well, Doug Peterson's interesting. Um, uh, from just like a pure coaching background, I find him very interesting. He comes from Andy Reid. He was part of the Green Bay model. I think he has an offensive philosophy very similar to what a lot of us in our group chat do. In terms of the offense Pete wants to run, I don't know if it's a match. Mm-hmm. And the thing with Doug is he's – I think that he's going to wait out the head coaching interviews. So if he's a target, like the Jets have a relationship with him, it might be like a long play with him. I don't know. He's from the area. He would be a very intriguing hire from a fan perspective, but I don't know if it's realistic. Did you, can I just jump in real quick on this? Did you guys hear the quote or the rumor? Maybe it was like a rumored quote that was released yesterday or two days ago about Doug Peterson and why he left the organization or was fired. That was, was what I was leaning to. Yeah. So in Philadelphia, there are a lot of voices. The owner has a very strong voice and the GM oh, wants to control personnel. And Doug did not like hearing staffing decisions. And that's why I alluded, I don't know if him and Pete work together. I'm not sure a head coach who likes telling people what to do is going to get along with an offensive coordinator who doesn't like being told what to do. That's what I was alluding to. Well, can we, can we set a little bit of context for, I mean, I, you the tweet you were referring to uh, Dana about like at least 40 to 50% of them were not real candidates because Everyone's got to understand the, the, the candidates are, you have to either be someone who can step up into the role. So if they're already an, an offensive coordinator in the NFL, they're not really a candidate for this position, unless you're also going to offer them an assistant head coach job. Like you have to offer them a step beyond what they're currently doing. But for most OCs, it's a lateral move and they're not even options. So all these things like Eric B and like, he's, that's not an option. Um, and then the guys that are, are guys that are either recently fired, really fired coaches or, um, are currently like quarterback coaches or, or a step below an OC. So I just wanted to at least share that. Maybe people already know that maybe they don't, but, um, there's a lot of names that I saw getting thrown around that just simply like, they're not going to Greg Roman, 
he's already the Ravens OC. He's not coming over here. So like all those names, you kind of just got to cross off the list. Ryan, there was a really interesting name though. And I don't know why I just went fuzzy on my camera, but there was a really interesting name in your thread. Mike LaFleur. Did you read that? Did you read that tweet response? I, I mean, data, I mean, I know you're asking about Peterson we, and we could stay on topic, but I'm super intrigued by there's so many levels of this data that are delicious that, <laughs> that like this group is so infatuated with Sean McVay and Kyle. Shanahan, right. And, <laughs> and the, the amazing thing, Dana is both of those coaches are super run centric. Right. Right. And, and this group, they have the right them. head coach. That's so all that matters, right? <laughs> let's steal. Let's steal from them. Let's steal from them, and and bring one of those guys up. Like you mentioned, Michael Fleur from from San Francisco. He's the passing game coordinator, I think, or something yes. like that. They've also got Mike McDaniel, who's their OC, and then uh, in in uh, in LA, who's the Rams? What was the Rams name that came up? Kevin O'Connell. See the QB so I would be weary of taking a McVeigh assistant. Like the Cincinnati coach is a McVeigh assistant. Uh, I forget his name, Zach Taylor. McVeigh yeah. controls the whole offense. What he does is he hires the defense and leaves them alone. He doesn't have much of a coaching tree. Shanahan's got the big coaching tree. Mm-hmm. So I would be a little weary of taking a McVeigh coach because it's sort of like a Belichick Andy Reid thing where the real guy making the decisions and pulling the strings is there mm-hmm. the other guys are more of developers i don't know if that's the best fit for what this team needs agreed yeah and there's a lot of people with lafleur who think that he'll probably go with is it Soleil? i always say his robert name, Sala. i apologize yeah. yeah he'll probably go with him if he and he's gonna end up with a head coaching job and so there there's a lot of loyalty there and and that Although it would be a very interesting pick for sure. Before we get into more names, because I know there's a lot, a lot of names that we want to discuss. I want to ask Nathan, because Nathan, you in our um, DMs, you were talking about college level coaches. Do, do you think it would be smarter knowing Pete Carroll, knowing the way his brain works as best as we can to go to the college level? Or do you think he needs to stay again, quarterback coach, that sort of thing in the NFL level? I mean, one of the things that's appealing about the college level is it's a little bit more innovative. They're not, um, they're not just kind of running it up the gut, right? They're they're finding a lot of ways to get players in space and and do things that way. Which, um, you know, if you're gonna if you're gonna run the football, I'd like to have creative ways of doing it. And um, uh, I think you see, I just think you see more creativity, like. Uh, and and innovation in the college ranks, um, and there's also a couple interesting uh, offensive minds that are available out of college right now. Gus Malzahn just got fired. Uh, Tom Herman just got fired. Neither of those guys really set the world on fire necessarily as head coaches, but they're they're talented offensive guys. Um, and then you've got you know programs like Bama and Clemson and Oklahoma and some of these that are doing some pretty cool stuff on offense and. You got to figure out, you know, how much of that is just, you know, Bama having a crap ton of talent, right? Or Clemson having a ton of talent since since Sark is taken now. But um, I think it, it's interesting um, and um, could could give some give an influx of creativity that this team has kind of um, just lacked generally. 
Mm-hmm. Agree. And, and Brian, that's it, isn't it? We've heard all season long, vanilla, vanilla, boring, boring. We used to hear that about the defense all the time. Remember, we have all that conversation, but we're hearing that. And that wasn't something we heard about Russell Wilson for a long time. You know, he was always taking off running and extending the plays. And it was, you know, it, it was a fun offense to watch a few years back and it has gotten simpler. Um, and so do you think that will be a priority for the new OC, you know, Pete looking at someone else, or do you think it's just going to be as Evan put, he's not here now, but as Evan put on Twitter, Pete Carroll just wants a yes, man. I think that, I mean, Evan's got his ax to grind with Pete. So, I mean, he that's <laughs> always going to be the case. And, and I don't think that, Pete's just looking for a yes, man. I think it may, I think every head coach is looking for someone who's aligned philosophically with how they want to run their team. That's just, that's just the nature of the business. Mm -hmm. And when they had Jeremy Bates or whoever it was back in 2010, and he was running fourth and one fade patterns to Ruvel Martin, you know, that was not, that was not Pete's philosophy and see you later. And I don't think we've looked back and hated that. So I don't think finding someone aligned is the worst thing. I think the more interesting thing for us to kind of ponder is what is the best coaching tree or philosophy that could be appealing to Pete Carroll, but that could also be a step forward for the Seahawks. That's to me, that's the interesting thing. I think everyone just jumps Mm -hmm. to this. Pete sucks. Fire Pete. God will never be good with Pete. Then there's other people. Russell sucks. We'll never be good with Russell. He can't do stuff. And I get that. But there's That's people like, who feel both. <laughs> I like whatever. I mean, but if you're in the real world and you want the Seahawks to get better, Pete's not going anywhere. We'll debate about Russell, but Russell's probably not going anywhere. And so then I'm like, is the Shanahan tree the most interesting? Is the McVay the tree the most interesting? Is there an is the Andy Reid tree the 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 Sean Payton tree? Like what are the existing coaching Mm -hmm. philosophies that have had offensive success for a sustained period of time that do run the ball effectively, but also have explosive plays. And I honestly, I think any of those are, I think Andy Reid that gets the most play. I think that's the least aligned with Pete's philosophy. So I think you kind Mm -hmm. of set aside the Andy Reid tree. I think that's the least likely to happen. Yes. They run the ball, but I I think it's the least, it's the most discontent most incongruous to to the way pete runs i think like the sean payton that one almost gets me most that or 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 like kyle shanahan gets me most excited because sean payton like think about how he's used alvin Kamara and had like screen game and some some like conservative pass plays that actually turn into big run plays and have you know, some, some passing uh, success as well. So I don't know. I think like, you know, Joe Lombardi was a name that got thrown out. He's the OC, he's the quarterback coach for, for the saints. Like, I, I don't know, someone young, someone from a coaching tree that does have run success. Um, that's what gets me interested. For sure. So before we move on, um, like I said, to names, is there anyone in, and this can be, any of you guys can answer this. Is there anyone in house that you would want to see move up? 
Well, Pete Carroll has a too. I've seen a lot of Doug Baldwin uh, call out. Like I've Doug seen Baldwin. Doug Baldwin. How too. hilarious would that be for Doug Baldwin to be telling Russell Wilson what plays to run? Oh my god! Can you imagine Dougie screaming at Russell from the sidelines? Yeah, well, I used can. to all the time. Really easy. Yeah. Imagine that. I've seen that before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, that that was supposed to be for you, Evan. I mean, you didn't want Nate Carroll to be. Nate Carroll, Brennan Carroll, uh, a third son we potentially don't know about. Would those be the worst names? Like, if you match close your eyes, imagine the worst possible name that they announce as the new OC. Is it? It's Nate. I think it's a Carroll. It, it would be the epitome of nepotism. It, there, every Pete Carroll cultist that still exists, and there's a lot of them. I, I think that would finally send them off the edge. I think it would. It would send them off the edge. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and Evan, we can't forget, a lot of people were saying, you, you need this job. This is, this is all you there, sir. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely not, <laughs> unless you want to no. see everything crash and burn. <laughs> I think that that's true. So let's, let's talk about this. Let's real. So, Jeff, yeah. you have your pick. All the names you've seen, you have your pick. Who do you want? I think the name that I think you or Brian mentioned earlier, I think one of the Shanahan tree. I've always been fascinated with that offense. Um, so what I understand about their team is Kyle is very particular about coaches leaving. And he's only allowing, I think, one of the, the passing game coordinator or the running game coordinator to leave. He'll give one of them a chance to move up, and he wants to keep the other one. So if Robert Sully gets a head coaching job, like you said, I think there goes that option. But if not... I think what Brian said, I think Shanahan's scheme is very aligned with how Pete wants to play. I think it fits Russell really well, which is most important because we talk about Andy Reid and some of the stuff. I don't know how much is Andy and how much is, because you've seen what happened with Doug and you've seen what happened with Matt Nagy. So, and I see what happened with Green Bay with Rodgers. I think that, and that's still, that comes back to the Shanahan scheme. It's LaFleur's older brother. So I think LaFleur's younger brother's name is Mike LaFleur. I think that would be my ideal offensive coordinator i just don't see a shanahan i don't still see shanahan letting him go to seattle like does anyone else like i would think that that would be like a big you can really I mean, block him from going to i know they can't but do you know what i mean like there's just something i don't know but i wonder i wouldn't mind what i wonder there dana is do i mean robert sala might take a while to land a head coaching job if you offer if, and if he's just if lafleur's just gonna get offered an oc job somewhere else is there a chance that you could steal ask. him from Sala before he, he, if you offer it sooner? I don't know. And I did say that it, I, when we were chatting earlier. I, I think the reason why this happened so fast, because I think a lot of people were a little surprised at the speed, it's because if you look at how many coordinator positions are open right now, I mean, there were seven head coaches that were like, oh, that's a lot of positions that need to be filled. So I think Seattle was trying to jump on that a little bit. That's just my, just my impression. Uh, Nathan, how about you? If you could pick... Any of the names that have been kicked around, either online, in chat, whatever it is, I'm a little afraid to ask you, but who, who would you want it to be other than someone who never runs the ball? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is Mike Leach an option or no? Uh, that would be entertaining. Uh, <laughs> it would be something. Um, I, I mean, I think, uh, I mean, Peterson's maybe my top choice. I don't think he's a particularly realistic one for the reasons that we talked about earlier. Um, 
but I think getting someone from the Shanahan tree um, would be pretty uh, interesting. I actually disagree with Brian. I think um, I've thought for a long time that Andy Reid would be the perfect offensive coordinator for Pete. Um, <clears throat> so finding someone out of that tree, um, which again, hey, why? Adam like, Peterson. Wh- what about oh, what why? about what about Andy Reid's offensive philosophy? Do you think matches Pete Carroll's offensive philosophy? I think maybe a little bit of the Mahomes era has kind of tinted like what Andy Reid has been for most of his career. Um, he ran the ball um, a lot and well. Um, he, you know, um, he he created an offensive system that allowed like Alex Smith to thrive. Um, you know, he. Uh, I, I've always just liked. Um, the the kind of the creativity that his running game has brought um and especially now that he uh i mean again andy reed will never be the offensive coordinator here right but like now that he is really opened it up and has and and, you know is maximizing a guy like mahomes um i think you can see that he can he can beat a defense a, a whole lot of different ways but i think that um you know at his core him and pete are pretty philosophically aligned in in how they want to I don't know. I, th- I, th- I think it'd be a great fit, but. Can yeah. I, can I throw out a couple like crazy names? Just, yeah. Like, crazy. crazy. Is that all right? So Evan's up for crazy. Th- these are things that's another first brought. So it's interesting you talk about the Andy Reid tree because Andy Reid is from the Mike Holmgren tree. Mike Holmgren's available, right? Mike Holmgren's available. So funny. I've. The flaws of Mike Holmgren match the flaws of Pete Carroll like perfectly. They would be like the perfect coaching staff. I do but think so. I, Mike Holmgren could never field a good defense and he could never hire a good defensive staff. His offense was so consistent. Like, and Pete's the exact opposite. Developed a lot of quarterbacks. Run yeah. was able to run. He actually, the thing he doesn't do is he really doesn't like to run the ball. He really yeah, the Holmgren identified yeah. offensive coaches. His Green Bay staff is famous. They had Andy Reid, John Gruden, Mooch. Yep. <laughs> they're they would pair so, very well. These are crazy. They're not likely. I'm just throwing out crazy. Because I've seen it from other folks. Mike Holmgren. Uh, I saw one in chat that I think is actually like fascinatingly crazy. Tony Romo. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm all, in fun. Chaos. Right? I'm all in for chaos. I mean, if I mean, Russell starts playing poorly, we can always show the. You have to pay Tony Romo so much money. Yeah, to leave his. You're calling games. Is he really? Yeah, he got the highest. Yeah. I can't. I can't cheer for Tony Romo. So you can't do that to me. It hurts me too much. I don't hate it. I break it up because I mean it's it's it'll never happen, but um no. He he's a quarterback. I I mean someone who's a quarterback whisperer would be an just interesting in general. Um but uh (laughs) it is interesting how that kind of like before it was more about play calling and scheme. How much of this decision has to be about kind of getting Russell back on track and quarterback developing background? There's no way they would make Austin Davis. God, that would be right. That would be so underwhelming. There's no way, right? Talk me out of this. Please talk me out of this. (laughs) The biggest 
the biggest concern I have is an internal hire. That would be the Brian Schottenheimer moment of this. Like when they announced Brian Schottenheimer, we were all like, oh God. If they do that internally, then the chances for real growth are pretty slim. So going off of what you said, um, you know, about, you know, developing a quarterback, one name that I put out there and I'm actually very interested in, and it wouldn't break my heart to see it all is Pep Hamilton. And I've heard a lot of people talking about him and how he deserves a chance at an OC or a head coaching position. So Pep Hamilton is the quarterback's coach for the Chargers, did amazing things with Herbert this year. I mean, developed that kid from the get so impressive, but he's also been a head coach. He was a head coach in the XFL. And so he, it's not that he doesn't have the maturity level that sometimes you need to have to deal with these players. I, I just think that that wouldn't be, uh, that is something that I, I, I think would be exciting because I, you know, the chargers for as, as often as that team seemed to be, cause I did cover them this year, you know, where they were just missing and they were coming back and then it was just so much Herbert himself was fantastic. I think he's going to end up rookie of the year. I, I just think that he was wonderful in that. That might be a new spark. So thoughts maybe on Pep? He's an interesting name to me. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I I don't quite get though, like I, I, one thing I'm not interested in, I guess, is someone to develop Russ. I mean, Russ is what, 33 years old or will be? Um, Russ is kind of who he, he is, right? I, I'm more interested in somebody that can come in and say, Oh yeah, go ahead. What were you gonna say? I was gonna say that develop is probably the wrong word. You're right. Yeah, yeah. like I- I'm more interested in someone that can come in and say, "This is what makes a good offense. You should run it." Right? I mean, like mm-hmm. I-, I don't. Uh, Russ has strengths and weaknesses, and like all quarterbacks do, and you need to be aware of that as a head- as you know a coach. But like for the most part, like this isn't about like. I don't know, refining Russ's mechanics or teaching him how to make reads, right? Like you, you need somebody that has a really cogent um, offensive game plan and knows how to uh, adapt and, and attack multiple types of defenses, right? Um, I, I'm not, and if Russ can't handle that, then I think that we need to have more serious conversations about whether he's really the right guy long-term. The only thing I'd, I'd, I'd challenge, not, not challenge that, but I would just ask is like, I don't think anybody thought that LaFleur coming into Green Bay was there to develop Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. but he has been part of the reason that Rodgers has had like a, a, a latent career um, jump in, in level of play. So, you know, if you do find the right coach, to combine with the player, um, there is potential for, I don't know if development's the right word, but, but definitely a step forward. Yeah, I mean, maybe I'm getting hung up on the word development, right? I mean, clearly whoever comes in needs to get Russ back on track, right? But I don't think this is a, like, to me, citing Pep's success with a rookie quarterback isn't super compelling in this situation, which isn't to say that he can't run a good offense with Russ or he's not a, you know, an offensive mastermind or anything. I I really don't know much about Pep, right. But that his calling card or his claim to fame right now is ability to develop a rookie quarterback. That doesn't feel super translatable to what needs to happen with Russ. 
I think though, what it could bring is, well, it shows a couple of things, it shows that he actually can coach, you know what I mean? That he can, that he can, you know, put his ideas out there, have them adapted, have them, you know, taken on by the offense. And I think that that's big because, you know, that is a, a lot of it. When you bring in new ideas, you have to a lot of times help people kind of figure out how to do them. Um, and then we have a lot of, we have a young wide receiver, granted DK will be going into his third year, but I think that, you know, that would be, um, very helpful too, but I just also think it brings something new, something different. And, and, and maybe, you know, the chargers weren't super dynamic in other people's minds or whatever. I just was really impressed, but I think the fact that he's had other coaching experience too is, is impressive to me. I just think it's a name that it's an, it's a name I wouldn't cringe at if they announced me. That's the best I'd way be to put out it. by that name, Dana. I think, yeah. I think both the, the chargers names that have been brought up that were, I mean, those are the only two names that have officially been linked to the Seahawks, right? Is, mm-hmm. is from the Chargers, Pep Hamilton, and what's the other Shane Stitchin? Stitchin, is that who pronounced yeah. Stitchin. Mm-hmm. The real question I have for you, Brian, is if the Seahawks were to pursue like a Mike Lafleur type, are you comfortable rooting for an offensive coordinator who looks about a third of your age? <laughs> I'm so glad he's about a third of your me. age, Evan. <laughs> <laughs> this guy looks like he's 13 years old. I mean, yeah, if you look at, I'm looking at his 49ers, like uh profile page thing. And this kid is a kid. Well, you know, it's funny. <laughs> I read some article about Lafleur and McDaniel um, before any of this happened. And, the basic premise was, yeah, they think that they're that Sala will want Lafleur and that Shanahan will let him go. McDaniel is more of like he's got like a photographic memory. He's not like the the leader type. Like he's not like he just kind of like a savant, like a, an offensive savant. To me, he sounds like Adam Gase. So like that's another name that keeps coming up, and I'm like, if you're not. Yeah. I just don't believe in the sustainability and durability of people that can't communicate well and can't lead well. As yeah. a, Adam, that's, that's Adam Gase to a T. Adam Gase is a, you can get him in a room and on board. He can scheme. He is the best play designer probably on the market. Even the Jets this year, they scored on every single one of their first drives. I think they scored points. He has zero people skills. Which is yeah, why I really struggled to see. I mean, I don't know. We Gase built a reputation off of working with Peyton Manning and we saw him squander hit Tannehill. I maybe he really is a savant on the board, but like that dude does not translate to really much of any field on field success, you know, unless he's got maybe the best quarterback of all time out there. Yeah, he did really well with Jay Cutler a couple of times. I think that was when they're like it's not just Manning, but I would be terrified to bring him in because A, his personality is just Full of red flags. Players, yeah, players don't like him. Players no. just don't like him. And Ryan Tannehill, like Miami. And if Sam Darnold goes and he moves to a different team and is good after Ryan Tannehill, that is such a black mark on his coaching career. Sure. Another name I see a lot in here is Anthony Lynn. Obviously, was the head coach of the Chargers. People are saying, well, you know what? It wouldn't be such a bad idea to bring in a, an ex-head coach. Um, although I think we had this conversation before thing of it is is that he was you know he's kind of a run game guy which is that what pete wants that's a good question i think 
don't know. The problem with Anthony Lynn is similar to what kind of Nathan was saying with Pat Hamilton. Anthony Lynn has never really been an offensive coordinator. He's never really designed mm-hmm. a scheme. He was an interim offensive coordinator. And he, if you look at his career, he was mostly a running Buffalo. back. His best skill is purely like he's a leader of men. He is, he is more designed to be a head coach than an offensive coordinator. And if you look, the fact that his assistants are being linked before he is, I think he would be an awful fit for what this team needs. And Lynn is a great leader. He's a great physical coach. But this team needs a very smart offensive mind. And I don't know mm-hmm. if there's any evidence that that is Anthony Lynn. And imagine Anthony Lynn and Pete Carroll trying to manage a game situation. Well, but Jeff, you're talking about what we want. I, I don't know that that. God, Anthony Lynn makes Pete Carroll look like a good game manager. <laughs> like what about? That's the scariest combination you can possibly. Yeah. The name I'm seeing way too often in here is Daryl Bevel. No, people. No. That's all I got to say about that. So let's. Oh. I mean, that's interesting though, because okay. Uh, talking about you know He's Anthony. Such a no 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 no. Sorry, I'm I'm I'm, uh, I'm working off of the Daryl Daryl Bevel thing. Uh, I'm also yeah. going to. Uh, oh crap! I was going to buy time to wiki something, but who was uh, Pete's first OC here that Jeremy lasted Bates. a year? Jeremy Bates. Jeremy Bates. What was his background? Was before he? Uh... He was from Mike Shanahan. He okay, was so he was my coach with Pete at USC for a year. And he was Pete's, he was an assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach with Pete. Um, he was a quarterbacks coach in Denver. Daryl Bevel was a quarterback coach. Brian Schottenheimer was a quarterbacks coach. So, you know, while it's kind of like easy to say maybe Anthony Lynn, who's a, a running back coach and has that background, is what Pete might look for. The last, all of the, his offensive coordinators that he's hired have a history as being a quarterback coach somewhere along the way. Yeah, the, the other, I think that's a great observation. The other name that has come up a lot, and I'm just curious people's reaction, is Bill O'Brien. No, he's, he's gone. He's gone. Bill O'Brien yeah, he's is going to college. Coordinator at Alabama. Alabama. Mm-hmm. He signed on yesterday. Yeah. And coaches love going to Saban staff because he instantly rebuilds them because they basically coach all star teams. It's true. Evan, you've been awful quiet tonight. And I'm, which is odd. I'm I, guys, I'm just like still in shock that this hap- this happened. Like Ooh. what, would, say, what would make you happy though? Evan, yeah, I've asked everybody else. More what, what do you want? Yeah. On what record. Do you, like, on I don't want I don't know if it needs to be a name, but like what kind of things do you no, want? Oh, yeah. It's a really <sighs> difficult answer because like you know, obviously for the past 10 weeks, we've we've been parroting and I've been parroting how much, you know, we deserve or this franchise should be moving on from Schonheimer. But like he did bring some things to this offense and to Pete Carroll that were good things. Like like Brian mentioned, like introducing analytics on early down passing. And and, you know, mm-hmm. I know I know they struggled with in-game adjustments, but he did try to push the push the offense forward in in different types of ways and i'm just not sure that we're going to get that sort of progress pushing from another candidate that that pete selects um 
it'd be nice to steal somebody from a division rival 49ers or, or the Rams, but guys, it's, it's really hard for me to feel. I, I don't want to be a downer, but like, it's just really hard for me to feel super hopeful about, you know, Pete bringing in some new offensive mind, whether it's a lateral movement or, or a promotion for somebody and them, you know, pushing for progress with Pete. I, I don't want to be a downer, but like, it's hard to feel like that's a realistic feasible option. So we'll hope for the best, but you know, the candidates that they interview will be really interesting and really telling. And, you know, I think the last time Bevel was hired, he replaced him with Schoenheimer in three days. So we should have an answer mm-hmm. pretty soon. It won't be long. <laughs> I don't think they would have fired him if they didn't have someone in mind already. I agree. Yeah. With that. So uh, I, yeah. I don't know. Unless I, I though, know. unless if shoddy right. quit. So, or, or I don't know. Un- not quit, but like, Okay, they okay. mutually decided to part yeah. ways today. Yeah, like, I would love to see Shoddy's face watching that press conference yesterday. <laughs> like, that's something I'd love to be a fly in the wall for just being. I, okay. Yeah, I, so to answer your question, I, I don't know, Dana. I don't know. Okay. I'm but not yeah, going to make it, up an answer. I got I to gotta, I gotta push a little further because is, is it possible? Is it possible that part of your melancholy here is that you've had a vision of what a successful Seahawks offense around Russell Wilson would look like that we got to see actually in action this year Mm -hmm. for a a few games and then disappear and that maybe like what you have in mind of what this offensive coordinator needs to be is actually not what is needed for this offense like maybe it doesn't need to be a 70% early down passing offense for it to be a good offense. Like maybe that's not the only way that this offense can be successful. Sure. And no, and I agree with that, but the concern, the main concern I have is from Pete Carroll's comments yesterday. Like the number one off season priority is getting the run game going again. That's what Pete said. I'm paraphrasing. He said effectively though. And I think that that's what, you know, the, the little sound bites that were put out, made us, I think someone else said this too, made us focus completely on he said run game. Nathan, I think that's what you said. Didn't he say more often too though? More often and effectively? Yes, more often and effectively. And I think that if you look at it, I I, and he even said, it's not like I want to run the ball that often, like like Nathan said. So I think that we, because we have what they call it, Pete trauma disease, whatever, PTSD from the Seahawks. Oh, that's funny. We I have not heard yeah. that before. Was, that's yeah, a real it was, thing. Someone sent it to me on a tweet. It, I will find it. I will show you guys. It was Oh, hilarious. I'm suffering it's from like, it. Yeah. I- <laughs> yeah. So, but we have PTSD of that run game. So we hear Pete Carroll say the word run and we panic. Completely freak out. Oh my God, forget it. Russ is going to hand the ball off you know, the first three downs, and then we're never going to, you know, go for it. I mean, all the things that we were so worried about, I think that that's it. I don't think that Ru- that Pete could have looked at the first games of this year and said, yeah, that sucked. Let's run. I think what he's saying is defenses took away what they were doing in those first games because they weren't running effectively. And so that I think that that's I'm, I'm hoping, and I know you guys think I'm like some Pete Carroll Pierce. I'm really not. Um, I, there's other coaches in the league that I like 
a lot better. But at the same time, I don't think that we should just automatically jump to that assumption that that's what he meant by that. I'm going to challenge you on that. Who are the coaches? Oh, you shocking. Like? Who are the coaches, <laughs> coaches you like better than Pete Carroll in the league? Oh, no. I am not getting set up for this. Nate <laughs> Carroll. Brendan Carroll. You guys are going <laughs> to eat me alive. Pete Carroll's third son. Dana, what are you talking about? Not answer yeah. Bob Condota's question. <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, like, I would say, you know, one of the things that really concerned me about all the running stuff is, you know, he said effectively, but the Seahawks ran the ball really effectively. And I know, Brian, you don't totally agree with that. But like, by a lot of measures, they were very effective running the ball. Um, so, you know, it's, it's confusing to me, I guess I would say that he's talking about effective. And I think he does mean more. Um, I think more are, is part of effective. Yeah. I do. I agree. But there are, I mean, there are concerns, there, there are, there's a range of ways to read this, right? And obviously, whatever you came in, whatever your opinion of Pete Carroll was coming to this is going to shade that, right? I kind of agree with Evan that I think that there's a good chance that this was a, a mutual parting of ways that maybe Shoddy wanted to keep certain aspects of the offense and Pete wanted to go back to more of what they were doing maybe in 2019, 2018. But at the same time, you know, the, the passing offense fell off a cliff and couldn't adapt and we all complained about it for weeks and weeks uh and Pete Carroll took action and is doing something about it now I'm worried about what he thinks the answers are but I think it's clear that he wasn't happy with how the offense played at the end of the year and and maybe he has I don't know good or bad ideas about how to fix that and how to get Russ looking great again but it does seem like that's why Shoddy's not here, right? If if that offense doesn't run off a cliff, obviously Shoddy's still here. So Pete took pretty immediate action, um, assuming this wasn't something mutual, and is trying to get it back on track. So um, I think in that way, you know, it's one of the things that I had talked about a lot the last few weeks is that like um, this team feels a little stuck and it feels like it needs some change. And we're going to have some change, right? I mean, that's, if nothing else, that that is something to be optimistic about, is that this team now has a chance to get something different in and to do it a little differently and see if they can't get themselves over that, the hump that they've kind of been stuck on. I, I love fair. that. And, and I would just want to add on one thing, which is I said the most disappointing would be is if they hired someone internally. That's from right now. The most disappointing would have been if they ran it back next year with the exact same group. So I already am, we're already off what I considered the worst case scenario. Um, there is going to be some change. And I think the most important, most likely place is in the OC role. So whether it turns out as we want, I don't know, we'll find out, but like, like just echoing, piling on Nathan's point, like we, we're getting some change. I think, hell yeah, we need it. I think that that's really important too. And that's, people are going to be mad one way or the other. It doesn't really even matter who they hire. I think we all said that someone's going to shit on them anyway, right? Like we just know that no one's <laughs> going to be happy. So we're just going to have to wait and see. And I think the interviews will be fun to kind of see who they're at. Okay. So, um, so let's talk just for a little bit about John Snyder's extension. I, I know that there are people um, in this group who are not his biggest fans and, you know, people outside who, you know, at the, that didn't really love him. But at the same time, 
when there was a little hint out there that the Lions were going after him, Seahawks Twitter blew up and were like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What, what do you guys think? A, I don't, I don't think any of us actually bought that, right? Like we, none of us thought he was going to go to the Detroit Lions for God's sake. No, but, you Jeff, know, Jeff was 100% Jeff? correct. It was a strategic leak by John Schneider. I, I don't doubt it for a second. Yeah. Are you happy with the, any of you guys? Are any of you, are you guys happy, sad, think it was a good move? What was it, five years? Is that what it was? A five-year extension? Six through the 27? Yeah. So it was through yeah. 2027, right? Or did I, I misread? So. I have to look. Two or through, I don't remember which. Uh, good news. Um, I am a John Schneider fan. I own a John Schneider shirt. Um, Dana, I didn't know if you knew, didn't know if you knew that or not. I thought but you I do. burned that. I did not burn it. That was for Twitter likes. I faked it. Um, <laughs> what, Brian? What? Do you have it? Hell yeah, I do. In my closet. You're a train wreck, man. I love it. That is the most embarrassing. That Rashad Penny jersey is the most embarrassing mistake I've made of my my football fandom. Um, I I still like that that you asked. I I gave you the choice of any jersey two years ago, and you picked Frank Clark. (laughs) I mean, you got to admit, you got an amazing, amazing touch. So I. I'm thoroughly entertained by it. Yeah, Evan, what jersey would you buy next? <laughs> uh, Chris Carson, actually, because he's oh, definitely okay. getting extended go. by the Seahawks. <laughs> oh, Lord. That's not going to do this right now, boys. Uh, I'll, start us off, I'll start us off with the Josh Schneider take. Um, yeah. Really good news. Uh, I think there were a few years, obviously, 2015, 2016, 2017, where a few drafts in a row were really questionable, really concerning, and honestly warranted a lot of criticism. Um, but the 2019 and 2020 drafts are uh, looking better. And, and I, I, I said that on Twitter today and I was actually surprised by the amount of pushback I got um, from a lot of different folks about, about those drafts. I, I thought the 2020 draft already is, is looking like it has some really positive returns with Damian Lewis, um, Alden Robinson, um, you know, Jor- Jordan Brooks, you know, came along the second half of the year, like right off the bat, those three players, you know, we're getting really positive signs from them, especially on Damian Lewis's front best offensive lineman. We've, you know, John Schneider has ever drafted. So that's a good thing. 2019 draft, you know, you got DK Metcalf, who is a blue chip talent. Uh, you can't undersell that. Um, Ugo Abadi, And then it does get a little shaky from there. BBK was in the sixth or seventh round, you know, he's a special teams player, but, but I do think, you know, nabbing a blue chip receiver uh, carries some extra extra weight there. That's something we've been begging for them to do, obviously for for years now. So, you know, I I, I think I think John Schneider is on the up and up. I, I I'm comfortable with his position and and the moves he's been making recently. The you know, actually, I'm gonna not go too specific there, but like the there's two things that that were how do I word this? There were two things that stood out to me that were a little bit interesting. Number one, the length of the deal. Six years is a pretty long time. Long. Now they could buy it out of course, and just say, fuck off, you know, go somewhere else if he starts being bad or something like that, but it's a long deal. And then number two, it's longer than Pete Carroll's extension. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that indicates, 
but I'm pretty sure it's two years longer than Pete Carroll's extension. So it's, it's worth pointing out. Do you guys think there's a significance to that? Brian, do you think there's a significance to that? I do. Uh, Yeah, I do. And that's also, I mean, not to pull us back into the OC thing, but part of what I'm interested in there is, you know, I don't think Ken Norton's the next coach of this team. Uh, Like I'm pretty clear about that. I don't think they're special, you know, maybe Larry Izzo turns into the next uh, John Harbaugh, but like, I don't think so from a special teams coach to head coach. So I'm hoping that they bring in someone who is a legitimate option as, as a successor for Pete Carroll and has head coach potential. And I hope that's part of the selling um, that they do here. And I'm not assuming that Pete spends the next five years as head coach. Like, uh, so yeah, I do. I think it's, I think it's significant up until now, they've pretty much been in lockstep in their contracts. As far as I've, at least in the last one, they were, they were up at the same time. So um, yeah, I, I think there's, I don't think it's huge, but I think, I think it's meaningful. I did mention this in our chat, but I'll mention it here too, for um, our listeners. I, uh, I did look up Ken Norton does seem to be out of contract this year at the end of this year, he signed a three-year deal in 18, in 2018. And so I don't know if that, if I misread that or so if it's through 21, I'm not sure. So anyway, that, that'll be interesting. Something to watch. I'm going to assume with a defensive turnaround, they'll probably extend him, but that's just, we'll see what happens there. Um, I do think that when Schottenheimer was hired, I assumed the carrot was Pete's old, you come in, you make a difference, you get this head coaching job. And maybe after Pete's extension, something else was in there. So maybe, maybe that's not what they wanted to hear. So I think that'll be interesting. But yeah, I, does anybody else have anything to say about John Siner's extension? Guys, anything else to add? We're all good with it. Jeff, are you okay with it? Yeah. No, no, I have no. John, John Siner's good. Yeah, like, John yeah. is one of the more respected guys in the league. And it's hard to know how much of the stuff he's doing is him. How much of the stuff he's doing is Pete because Pete outranks him. John's just a tough guy to like. But Jeff, you know what he did do? What? He made the Carlos Dunlap trade. Yeah. So like, that's the thing about John. He does so many good things and so many things that leave you scratching your head. Yes. <laughs> like the DJ Reed pickup was a pure John Schneider thing that changed their season that pissed off a rival. The Dunlap trade was unbelievable. John is absolutely like worthy of criticism with a lot of his moves but the reality is is as soon as you start criticizing him john schneider pulls off some stupid magic heist you know, I mean? you know? Like, and it's just like his it's almost like in the first round is so infuriating it and is the way they overthink things and they try to be the smartest guy in the room and just like the penny over chub thing for example like that's well, so infuriating but i mean those are not things you can sweep under the rug i think from if you if you were to put your hand over the names, hand over the teams. You didn't know what you're talking about. And you saw how the team has been assembled from 2010 to 2012, a plus plus, not just with the names, but it was, it was almost every player was through the draft, right? They drafted and they developed most of those players. And the ones that they didn't were like diamonds in a the rough. They got from the Canadian football league, like Brandon Browner or something like that. Um, the way that they have managed the roster in the last five years, like even the players that are good parts of the roster, it's 
I think you got to give them a D or F in terms of the process for how that they're going yes. about it. How many are being acquired of... via trade or free agency or it's because they aren't drafting enough quality players. And so, and that they're trading away draft picks and like, and, and, and. So I think there's a lot of credit and, and the players and the positions that they're choosing to draft early, like their penny pick, like forget Chubb versus Penny. Why are you drafting a running back in the first round at all? So, so like, I, I think there's a lot to criticize about Schneider's process, but where I end up, Dana is, I mean, when I, when I went back and I looked at every, we did it in the, in the preview show. When you look at every starter for the, the playoff team that ended last year against green Bay and you compare it to where they are this year, they are undeniably stronger in almost every single position on the roster. If you do that as a, as a, and, and a lot of them are not just like in a year, they're going to turn into pixie dust. Like there's probably two to three years for almost all those guys, depending on what the team does. So I think the GM is doing his job. Um, just maybe not the way that I would suggest doing it long-term. Right. Well, I, I, I'm lucky enough to have a very large, uh, I have a lot of different teams in my Twitter line. And so I get to see a lot of different fans and a lot of different opinions. And um, when that news came out today, I saw a lot of fans from other teams going, well, that's a no brainer. And then I shared with you, my friend, Derek, who's a Rams fan. He's like, this does not make me happy. You know? So I think that there's a lot of respect for Snyder out there. I think that people, um, you know, respect what he has done and have realized some of the things he's done, but more importantly, and what I saw over and over is that how lucky Seattle is for the consistency that they've had in their front office. And if you look at some of these other teams who are in complete disarray, like, like the Texans and so many other teams that are just like disasters, you know, Seattle, we've been, we've been pretty lucky to not have that at this point. So, all right, guys, well, we're going to be back again tomorrow. Anything else anyone wants to talk about tonight in our special edition? This is exciting. Just don't blow this. Yeah, no, don't this is, blow it. <laughs> this, you know, I shared earlier that like I was, you know, my hopefulness and optimism was limited uh, due to the constraints of the situation. But the reality is, is I would rather take this uncertainty than no uncertainty at all. So, you know, let's let's go along for the ride and let's have some fun and let's see who they choose as candidates. Yeah, and I think the biggest knock on Pete Carroll, I mentioned it the other day, is he has not done a good enough job identifying coaches and ascending coaches. And Nathan brings up Andy Reid a lot. And Andy Reid, come from the Mike Holmgren tree, he's done such a good job of identifying coaches all throughout his career. Kevin Stefanski, uh, Sean McDermott, not just offensive guys, all different positions. Jim Harbaugh was an Andy Reid guy that he handpicked on his Eagles staff. John Harbaugh, not Jim Harbaugh, John Harbaugh. Pete has not, has taken competent, but kind of run-of-the-mill Guys, there hasn't Carl Smith was a guy that Brian hammered on for years. They have not. Dave Canales might be the first one that's starting to get like talks outside of the league. This is Pete's chance to really kind of stamp his legacy in the Seattle perspective because I think this is a huge black mark on his coaching. And I think this is a huge chance for him to kind of make this last leg of his career take off because. I think he's losing. Uh, Joe Fan had a great quote from Batman that you live long enough, you die the hero. Or you start as a hero, you become the villain, you live long enough. And Pete is certainly in that phase of his career right now. Do we want to do predictions? 
Before you do that, I just want to call to connect it to what Jeff just said. It's interesting you bring up Carl Smith, who is one of my most, he's one of my villains for the Pete Carroll era. I, I think Russell would have developed differently if he had had a better quarterback coach from the get-go. Um, but the thing I was going to bring up is Pete said, he was asked how he picks, how he picks coordinators. This came up before the shoddy news and he didn't have a good answer. It was actually like a really bad answer, but he basically said he talks to people in the league that he knows and he respects and he gets their opinion. And so that's how it happens. Dan Quinn, Gus Bradley were not Pete Carroll hires. They were like Jim Mora guys. People don't know that, but like Pete is like, okay, Sounds good. Um, but the person he said that he talked to the most, Jeff, was Carl Smith. He Because Carl Smith was another old dude that they just like would hatch a plan together about. Who, who, you know, it's a relationship business and that's how they'd pick coaches. It's a terrible, terrible process. And so I don't have a lot of reason to be hopeful that this process will be better. Um, so is it interesting that the two names have emerged were both Gus Bradley's assistants in the Chargers. They were on the same staff. We're going to have to get lucky. It's going to have to be, maybe that's right. Maybe he knows them through Gus and Gus was the defensive coordinator. Ended up with a, a good play, a good coach. Like, I don't care if it's a good process or not in this case, if they end up with someone who can make the team better, whatever. But like, I, if it's just up to Pete on his own, I, you know, not super confident. All right, predictions. Today is the 12th. On what date do the Seahawks hire their next OC? Brian, pick a number. Uh, it'll, man, I think it's going to take a little while. I'm going to say by next Friday. 21st or the 22nd. Yeah. Jeff? I will go the twentieth. Okay, Dana. Anyone track? Yeah, it? yeah. I, I'm kind of with with Jeff on that one. I I think they'll do it sooner than later, um, unless they're going after one of the teams that are getting far in the playoffs. But I I think it's going to be like the twentieth to twenty second too. I think the end of next week. Mm -hmm. They are going to hire a new offensive coordinator on January twenty first before noon time before, before what at before noon <laughs> on that day on that okay. specific day from before, before from new, new time and i was like what's new time oh <laughs> oh who am i <laughs> in the morning of january 21st they will sign a new offensive coordinator uh i'm thinking earlier than you guys i think we might even have a good idea saturday or sunday but they won't announce it because of the playoff game so i'm gonna go with the 18th mm. so basically all of us think they're not going after one of the teams still in the playoffs coordinators right coordinators if it have to be it's hard to imagine someone coming to do a lateral move under pete carroll um it would have to be a probably a quarterback coach right that's fair if you're trying to rebuild your image as a coordinator, it's hard to imagine that you're jumping on listening to what Pete said the other day. And yeah, I'm sure Shoddy has a lot of friends around the league who are going to call him before taking this job. One thing we didn't mention or talk about, and maybe we should do it tomorrow, is where does Shoddy land? 
Where does Shadi go from here? We don't have to answer that now. I, I'm he just, was a head coaching candidate. Which was? I was told. Yeah. He hasn't gotten a single call that we know of. Anyway. I was told I was in shambles because the media promoted <laughs> him. <laughs> he could actually do media. He might be pretty good at media. Take a year and do that. Imagine him like coming back Probably a year college. later and just shitting think, all over Russell. Sorry. I think Shadi is, is a college coach. To I me. think so too. I think he'd be a great uh, head coach of a college program. Mm-hmm. He's going to take a year off. He's going to do the pregame circuit. Uh, and then he is going to be the 2022 Arizona Cardinals head coach. Oh, and then he's going to bring Russ with him. I can't wait. I can't I wait. I wonder what that relationship's like right now. It sounded good. Russ posted a, a really yeah. nice thing about him. Yeah, I wonder if he's pissed. David, do you realize that while you've been talking to us, that Evan's been just talking to people on Twitter, he's already gotten into a Twitter fight with Greg Olson. I saw that. I did see the Twitter fight with Greg Olson. Hold on, what? Did he respond to my tweet? Of course he, he did. did. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> see, that's what happens. Pick a fight and they answer. George Kittle yeah. and Greg Olson. This is exciting. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Oh, what is- super fun. All right. Well, um, thanks everybody for joining tonight. And thank you, Dana, for hosting. You did uh, an amazing job, far better than, uh, (laughs) than I could have done. And thanks everybody for, for, uh, for joining us. It's patreon.com slash Hawk blogger to join in, get instant access to the Slack channel. Seen people sign up already. We've got a a lot of off season to cover folks. The Seahawks improved at almost every position this year as we talked about did not go as far as we want but there's a lot that they can do this offseason to get to the next step so we will start that discussion tomorrow night um so come back here youtube.com uh uh i don't know exactly we're not slash hawk blogger we're slash something uh hawk blogger tv or something like that but in any event <laughs> give us a like give us a hit the little bell notifier so you get notified when we go live for these quick uh emergency pods and give it a a thumbs up give it a like um so that we can uh get more folks around and uh guys i can only imagine what jeffrey dean morgan was like uh on sunday or on saturday after that game that's my only ugly i I mean he probably does not have a dish left in his house after i think i feel bad for that (laughs) all right all right everybody take care have a good night